You ever feel trapped? <laughs> no, seriously, you ever feel trapped? <laughs> when Pastor Tom called me and asked me about speaking, I felt trapped. Um, but you ever, ever felt like you've been in a place where you can't get out, you're stuck, but perhaps in a job or, or, or um, in a community or, or marriage, um, a church? Um, sometimes we can feel stuck, imprisoned. And, 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 and how, how, do you, how, how do you live in, in spite of those times of stuckness? Um, we just coined a new English word there. Um, what, what do you do? Uh, uh, are, are all rules thrown out? Uh, is there now a no-hold-bars fight, so to speak, where you go into survival mode and now you can uh, do what seems best, uh, you can act in accordance for the moment? What do you do? <laughs> what do I do? Well, first, let's pray. God, we find ourselves once again at your feet, as it were, having gone through a week of challenges, having faced disappointments, having gone through the ordeal of Valentine's Day and a long weekend, etc., etc., we find ourselves here, dear God, seeking your face, looking for hope, encouragement, solace. We've sung the song just recently where we say, Nothing we desire compares to you. Dear God, we say those words, we want to... Uh, embrace those words, but the stuff of life comes at us fast and furious, and we're distracted. Teach us, O oh God, from your word how we're to live. May we take the plain things, dear God, from your word and keep it the main things. Take now the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts and make them acceptable to you and you alone. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Before I get into uh, my message, and, and Pastor Arnett, I'd like to thank you for the option of five minutes versus 35 minutes. I think I'll take the five. Um, but uh, just would like to uh, publicly thank you as a church, as a congregation, as a family, for your support last year as it relates to Precept Ministries of the Caribbean Islands. Last year, uh, we were able to, by the grace of God, establish 70 new classes around the Caribbean, roughly over 2,000 students who are on a constant, consistent basis studying inductively God's Word. We are pleased with it. Um, some of you, uh, many of you, many of you uh, have simply mentioned us in prayer. And I want you to understand and appreciate the fact that that means the world to us. Uh, some of you have um, contributed in other ways. 
Um, you know who you are. Again, I just want to say a heartfelt thank you. And um, uh, we anticipate your continued support uh, this year. I may not be here. And the reason why I'm taking the time to say it now, I may not be here this year for this year's missions conference. Lord willing, I will be in Trinidad and Grenada uh, building on what, we've, what has been built already. Again, establishing God's people in God's word. And our vision, our belief, our sincere hope is that they will be exemplary followers of Jesus Christ who will study the Bible inductively, who will view the world biblically, who will in turn make disciples intentionally, and they will also serve the church faithfully in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I appreciate you. We love you. We thank you. And we praise you. We praise God for you. Um, Back to my question as it relates to being stuck. I thank God for Dr. Smith's uh, presentation last Sunday. Um, In the same breath, it is rather scary after um, coming to speak on the heels of such a message. Um, The take home I got last Sunday was Christ is everything. Did you get that? Yeah, I kind of got that one too. Christ is everything. And he, he, he gave us a challenge from the letter of Colossians. I sat there uh, last Sunday feeling a, a number of things. One was, I wish he didn't stop. I wish he could have gone on. I wish he had some more runway to, to speak from. But nevertheless, um, he said that Paul's circumstances when he wrote the letter was that he was in prison. And indeed, Dr. Smith also said to us... Uh, Uh, last Sunday, that in spite of his imprisonment, his inability to come and go as he pleased. As a matter of fact, Paul seemed to have been able to attract trouble wherever he went. If you read any of, of Acts, the book of Acts, you would see that. Paul would go to a city Uh, He would preach, he would find a group, the the local congregation, Uh, he would teach for a few days and somebody would, would, would hear of him, somebody would be agitated by his sermon, and they would say, let's get this dude out of town. In a particular city called Philippi, uh, Paul uh, had the opportunity to look for that local uh, body of believers. And uh, in Philippi, not finding a group of or an organized group of people, uh, started speaking down by the river. Small problem. There was a lady who apparently had a spirit of divination. She was able to foresee. To make a long story short, she uh, proceeds ahead of Paul, Silvanus, and, and Timothy, or Paul and Silas in particular. And, and Paul rebukes this spirit out of this woman. The owners of this woman now cannot make money from her ability to foresee. And they grab Paul and Silas, beat up on them. And um, this is where we got the whole... Um, title of the jailhouse rock thing because remember Paul and Silas have been beaten, they've been placed in prison um, 
they're bloody, bruised, and they start singing, and the jail rumbles. You remember that? If you spend any time in Sunday school, you would remember that their chains fall off, and everyone's free, and the jailer who's responsible for keeping these men uh, imprisoned is about to kill himself, and Paul says, no, 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 don't do nothing. We're all here. There's no fellas from Fox Hill there, because let me tell you, that fellow, anyway, never mind, let's go on. So, 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 again, to speed it up, I still only got five minutes. Um, the jailer is led to the Lord, um, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He and his whole family, they're baptized. Guess where all of this happened? A little city called Philippi. And so as we're reading through Acts, and as Dr. Smith did so eloquently last week, he speaks of Paul's imprisonment. Like I said earlier, Paul seemingly has this ability to attract trouble wherever he goes. And so he's now under the auspices of a governor by the name of Felix and Festus. He's in Rome, he's been taken to Rome, and it seems as if, according to Acts chapter 24 and Acts chapter 28, that Paul is at least, in the very least, under house arrest. He can't come and go as he pleases. He's handcuffed possibly to one, maybe two, uh, guards who's constantly with him, but he's allowed to receive friends who are able to minister, minister to him. The church in Philippi has heard of Paul's plight. And they're kind of figuring, wait a minute, what on earth is going on with Brother Paul? We haven't heard from him. We don't know what's going on. We don't know his circumstances. Where is he? What's going on? And those three big names that uh, Dr. Smith mentioned last week, Epaphras and Epaphroditus and Tychicus and all of those guys, um, it seems as if the church in Philippi sent a love gift with Epaphras or one of those fellas to Paul to help him or to assist him while he's under house arrest awaiting an audience to see uh, Caesar in Rome. And so he writes this letter to the church in Philippi, which generally speaking was supposed to be a thank you note, four chapters long. But as we take a closer look at this thank you note, Paul also takes the opportunity to share with the believers, the readers of this letter, and he tells them about his imprisonment. For example, in Philippians chapter 1, Paul talks about it. He says this in verse 7. He says, For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. Down in verse 13, verse 12 and verse 13, he says, Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances, his imprisonment, has turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. So that in my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. Paul was in prison. But he's going to share with us in these four chapters what his mindset was, what was his emotional state of being, what was his attitude, what was, his, what was the thing that was going to get him through these next two and a half years, we believe, while he was waiting in the audience to see Caesar. My question to you earlier is, do you ever feel stuck in a rut, imprisoned by your circumstances, 
And what I'd like to share with you briefly and quickly this morning is, is exactly that. As a matter of fact, just as an interesting note, here's Paul's mindset. 16 times in this four chapter letter, Paul mentions the word rejoice or joy. Come again? Where is he? He can't come and go as he pleases. He's stuck. He's in a situation. He can't move. And he says, rejoice. As a matter of fact, we sing a song, rejoice in the Lord always. I can't sing, sorry. And again, I say what? That's where we got that idea from. Listen to what he says. Listen to what Paul says. Um, He says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. But being, but even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, listen to what he says. I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice. And in the same way, share your joy with me. Therefore, I sent um, him, referring to Timothy, all the more eagerly to you, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice. Revive him then in the Lord with all joy. Finally, brethren, chapter 3, rejoice in the Lord. He says it 16 times. Maybe he was trying to tell us something. What do you do when you are stuck in a rut? (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. I heard the grumblings. Let's take a look at chapter 1. Let's take a closer look at chapter 1. If I had to write a theme or a title for chapter 1, it would, it would say this, Christ is my life. Paul says, if, 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 if you and I were to keep Christ as our life, listen to why I am able to say that. Listen to what he says in chapter 1, verse uh, 18 through 21. Paul has been in prison for the sake of the gospel. And he responds, he says, What then? Only in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says carefully in verses 20 and 21. According to my earnest expectation and hope, that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether I live or whether I die. And then he goes on to say, for to me, to live is what? Is who? Christ. And to die... I gain Christ. So, so Paul says, number one, Christ is my, is my life. That is what gives me that hope of knowing that it won't always be this way. He says to the church, only now conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come 
and see you or remain absent, I will hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Christ is my life. Paul said, I don't care how bad it gets, how ugly it gets, if I live, I get Christ. If I die, I get Christ. Christ is my life. Well, Brotherhood, you don't you don't understand the people I work around. No. You you don't understand the uh the community I live in. No. You you don't understand the husband or the wife that I have to No, I, I don't. But I think if we listen to the heart of Paul, in the, in the overall picture, he says, rejoice in spite of your circumstances. In the meantime, understand Christ is everything. Christ is my all in all. I'm going to look to him. Christ is my life. As a matter of fact, I'd like to tell you um, it gets better. But listen to what Paul says in the same chapter in verse 28 and 29. Let me start reading from verse 27. He says, Only conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. In spite of your circumstances, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Why? So that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear that you're standing firm. Verse 28, In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. Listen to what he says in verse 29 and verse 30. Kind of rattles my cage a little, but nevertheless, this is God's word. Listen to what he says. For to you, believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, for to you and I, it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in Christ, but also to suffer for his sake. Experiencing the same conflict, which Paul was reminding them. Remember what you remember? Remember what happened to me back in Philippi with the lady with the spirit of divination? He says, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me, now here to be in me. I'd love to tell you, after this little bump, it's going to be all over. I'd love to tell you, as as we hear uh, being preached all around us on radio and television, that you just, and you just, it seems as if, Paul is saying the same way we view salvation. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you, salvation is a gift. God has given us suffering as a gift. And that's why Paul is able to say, Christ is my life. Let's go on. Chapter 2, Paul says, Christ is my example. Now, how on earth, how on earth is this going to help me in my living How is this going to help me in my stuckness? How is this going to help me in my circumstances, my situation, my marriage, my children, my fill in the blank? Well, let's look at Christ's example from chapter 2. Paul says, therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion... Make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Listen to what he says in verse 3. 
Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Wait a minute, Paul, there's something wrong. Paul's in prison. I, if it was me, would be saying, Lord, get me out of this. Anyone else pray like that when we go through a little trial? I see some heads nodding. None of us want to say, Lord, keep me here. Psychologically, something something might be wrong with that person. He's a glutton for pain, we would say. Lord, keep me in this situation so that you would get the glory, so that all would all and sundry would see the gospel being lived out in my life. Wow, what a prayer. So Paul says, rejoice in your circumstances. Well, Lisa's going to know something's wrong with me when I say, Lord, I thank you for my problems. She's going to have me committed. Because usually, what do I do? Well, no, usually, what do you do? We grumble, we complain. So Christ is my life. And Paul says, Christ is my example. Just in case they didn't understand what he was saying in verse 3, verse 4, and 5. Listen to what he says. He says in verse 5, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Listen to what Jesus did. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But listen to what Christ did. Emptied himself... Taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Wow. Here's what Paul is saying. Yes, I'm in prison. No, I'm not happy. But guess what? I'm going to follow the example that Jesus Christ left for us. I'm going to humble myself, even if it means I die. That's why he was able to say with all boldness, for to me to live is Christ. And to die, I gain Christ. What an incredible thing would happen in this country if we in the body of Christ were to adopt that attitude. On behalf of everybody at Calvary Bible Church, I'll just say amen. Christ is my life. Christ is my example. Listen to what he says. So then, my beloved brethren, verse 12, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is, that's a progressive sanctification. But let's get to verse 14. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Here's some advice. Verse 14 drops it quite frankly for us. Do some things without grumbling and disputing. I, I just want to make sure. It says, do all things without grumbling and disputing. Um, pause. What I'm about to say is in no way 
reflective of Mona Lisa. I'm just going to pick on her because it ain't nice to pick on other people. But let's say Mona Lisa, my bride, was... Let's say she was a bad wife. Did you all hear me? I'm just using an illustration. I don't want to see a group of you sisters in the back laying hands on Mona Lisa after the service. But let's say she was a bad wife. If I'm a believer, if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I want to, I want to be true to what God's Word is saying, what should, I, what should my behavior be like? Should I say, there's no good woman every time I come home? Man, look at the, the clothes. What? What? what should that be my mindset? Everybody do this. Everybody say, no. Now, as a believer, Paul is saying to us from Philippians to do what? Rejoice. Lord, I thank you for this wife you've brought into my life. Man, you're laughing, man. This is serious. Lord, I thank you for this person you've brought into my life in such a way that I get the occasion, the opportunity to bring you glory. (sighs) That's what the text says. Now, in a few minutes, you're going to see Melissa go out that door. She's going to turn the car on. I'm going to get a running head start. If you all don't like it, you all deal with him. But I'm just a messenger. Most messengers get shot, don't they? So Christ is my life. Dr. Smith said last week, Christ is everything. How do I live in such a way? How do you live in such a way in spite of your circumstances that all and sundry get to see that Christ is everything, that Christ is your life, that Christ is your example? But when we grumble and groan and complain about our circumstances, God does not get the glory. Are you willing to lie down your life on behalf of someone more needy than you in spite of your circumstances? (laughs) Christ is my life. Christ is my example. Number three, in chapter three, Paul says, Christ is my goal. Paul in chapter 3 lays out some of his credentials. Verse 4 says, Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, put in parentheses there, may I brag a little, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, Paul says, I far more circumcised on the eighth day. That was very important for a, a Jew. A Hebrew. He was circumcised according to the law on the eighth day. He was of the nation of Israel. Very important. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. Another important credential. As a matter of fact, who, where was the first king of Israel from? Which tribe? Hint, 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 hint. A Hebrew of Hebrews. What he was saying was, well, Ma was a Hebrew, my pa was a Hebrew. 
As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness, which is in the law, found blameless. So he says, wait a minute. I'm looking pretty good right now. I'm sitting. And then listen to what Paul has the audacity to say to the believers who are reading this letter. He says, but whatever things were gained to me, those things he just mentioned, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. If I may put it in the Bahamian vernacular, them things don't mean a thing. So long as I get Christ. So he says in chapter 1, Christ is my life. In chapter 2, Christ is my example. That's what I'm going to follow. In chapter 3, he says, Christ is my goal. That's what I press on toward. As a matter of fact, just for those of you who don't know, do, does anyone, can anyone tell me what the theme verse for Calvary Bible Church is? Colossians chapter 1 verse 28 says, We proclaim Him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete where? That's our goal. Christ is our goal. That is what we're shooting for. Sorry, not what. That is who we're shooting for. To be conformed into the image of Christ. Let me ask you something. How on earth? I wish I could stand here and tell you that there's a better way of being able to look like Christ without suffering. I wish I could tell you it can happen some other way without trials and tribulations, without being stuck, without imprisonment, without... But sometimes God handpicks us and He places us in situations among people. And He says, Shine for me. Give and live for me. I watched the dear sister walking in church this morning and I'm saying, Wait a minute, this person should be home. In bed, lying down. And they had one of the biggest smiles on their faces. We won't ever know the, know the amount of pain that they're going through just to be up and about and to sit in the chair while I drag on and on and on. But they're, they're still there giving God the glory in their appearance, in their demeanor, in their behavior. That's an encouragement, isn't it? But again, going back to what I said earlier. Uh, Lord, get me out of this trouble. Lord, take this no good man out of my life. Or woman, or these children, or grandchildren, or whatever the case may be. Lord, this boss, if I say something. My poor grandmother, she'd just walk over and say, help me, Lord. Christ is my life. Christ is my example. Christ is my goal. Listen to what he's this is Paul speaking. Listen to what he says. More than that, I count all things, everything, to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom, listen to what he says, I have suffered 
the loss of everything, and I count them as rubbish so that I may gain Christ. With Christ being our goal, listen to what he says in verse 20 of chapter 3. He says, for our citizenship is in heaven. Did you hear that? That is to come. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, listen to what he will do, will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he, is, that he has even to subject all things to himself. How do you get through it? How do you get through waiting on God? How do you, how do you wait while in prison? How do you endure with, with, with the stuff that life throws at us? You do what Paul says. Rejoice. I don't understand the psychology behind it. I don't. I don't pretend to. But he tells us how. He says, if Christ is your life, if Christ is your example, if Christ is your goal... It takes, the, the, it takes all the attention off of all the stuff of life and is now focused heavenward. Christ is everything. Finally, in chapter 4, Paul says, Christ is my sufficiency. He's my all in all. Wait a minute. <laughs> There's something wrong with Paul. He's, he's, he, he, can't, he can't be talking so hard. I can understand him talking like this if he was free, but the man's locked up. He can't come and go as he pleases. Some of you are saying, but listen, if you, if you know the family I live in, I'm in prison. Teenagers, can, no, no, keep your hands up. <laughs> oh, if you know the teachers I got to deal with at school, it's better yet, forget the teachers. Do you know what school is? Prison. So, young people, I'm feeling you. But if we take our attention off the problem and look at the problem or look to the problem solver, we'll get through it. Now, understand something. According to Hebrews chapter 11, a number of them died while waiting on that hope. Again, Paul was able to say in chapter 1, he says, For to me to live is who? And to die is? So it's a win-win situation for us, isn't it? Quickly, quickly, chapter 4. Paul says, Christ is my sufficiency. As a matter of fact, there's a verse in this passage that we abuse terribly. Chapter 13, which says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If I may take a few minutes just to enlighten those of you who, or those of us who use this verse. I used this verse when I was doing track and field. Wrong verse. I should have used the one where the Lord give me wings or something. But, but, but I can do all things through Christ. Paul is talking about contentment. Being happy. Being satisfied with one's lot. Being happy with the place of limitation that you find yourself in. 
Paul says, I know how to live with one dollar, and I know how to live with a thousand. In any and every circumstance, he says, I have learned how to be content. Paul says, Christ is my sufficiency. I know how to live as if I live behind the gate, life and key. And I also know how to live with these chains. How will God get glory from your life and in my life this day, this week, this year? First of all, I think we should change the way we pray. As a matter of fact, in Colossians or one of the other letters, in my excitement, I can't remember right now, but he says, he says, don't pray for my release. Pray that when I get an opportunity, I'm able to articulate the gospel so that some may be saved. Oh, wow. Lord, thank you for this problem. As a matter of fact, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, I've said with you already that the same way we view salvation as a gift, we must, according to the way it's written, we must view suffering as a gift. God, thank you for this gift of suffering. We don't usually, it ain't Bahamian to pray like that. But if Christ is my life, if He's my example, if Christ is my goal, if He's my sufficiency, listen to what He says in chapter 4. He finally gets to say thank you to the church. Verse 18, He says, But I've received everything in full and have an abundance and I am amply supplied having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice well-pleasing to God. Listen to what Paul has the audacity to say while in prison. And my God, and my God, and my God will supply all your need, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul was convinced. Paul was convinced that Christ was indeed everything. May I submit to you, may I suggest, may I implore, may I admonish you that we adopt the same mentality that Christ is everything. As I was sitting down, as I was recording uh, 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 some notes and ideas, I thought of the words uh, life and example and goal and sufficiency and life starts with the letter L. Example starts with the letter E. Goal starts with the letter G. I know this sounds a little elementary. And sufficiency starts with the letter S. God has given us legs to stand up on. But if we do it in Him, it makes all the difference than if we try to do it ourselves. According to my earnest expectation and hope, that I will not be put to shame in anything, Paul says, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether I live or whether I die. Builds can be confining, restricting. Life itself can feel imprisoned, 
Some persons look at life and they say, cheap, I dead. I'm better off dead. The world's better off with me dead than me alive. No, 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 that's not what this book teaches. If we would look up and look and see Christ in everything. How many times have I said Christ is everything? A few. Christ should be our life. Christ should be our example. He is the one who is our goal. That's what we're shooting for. And may we find satisfaction, contentment in Him. And as Pastor Arnett always prays, and may God get all the glory. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the simplicity, dear God, of your word. Father, in my excitement, I may have left some things out. In my concern to get it right, I may have fumbled. God, you've guaranteed in your word that when your word goes forth, that it will, with certainty, accomplish that which you sent it out to do. So, dear God, do what only you can do. And God will be quick to give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. May we see your Son, Jesus the Christ, as our life. May we see him as the purest and the perfect example to follow. May he be our goal. And may we find sufficiency in him. Father, we honor you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.